but I don't like to be normal. I, I always say like I don't really I don't feel like I fit in anywhere, but that's just because I'm just me at all times, and that me is not in this box or that box. It's just Jamad. Hi, this is Stephanie Fowler, and this is Tony Russo, and you're listening to another episode of So What's Your Story a podcast in which we talk to authors and writers about their writing, the stories behind the story, the writing process, and any other sort of miscellaneous writing stuff that we want to talk about. Today on the podcast, we have author Jamad Gould. His work focuses on urban sci-fi and incorporates his passions for politics, social justice, and black history. His new novel is titled Immemorial Lives and delves into issues like reincarnation and social justice. So welcome back to the podcast, Jamad. Thank you for having me back. When I was doing some research for this podcast on Immemorial Lives, one of the things that hooked my attention was in the description when you were talking about sort of the inspiration for writing the book was that when you were young and reading, you didn't see a lot of main characters that looked like you. Right. And so it was like, well, if I don't see them, maybe I have to write them. And so I really, I was really sort of captivated by that. And I just wonder if you could just kind of talk about your inspiration for Cyrus and and how he kind of came to be. It's just like you said, like I I, I read I read nothing but sci-fi and fantasy. Like people are like you don't read enough. I don't read what you want to read. I read sci-fi and fantasy. Like even if I'm not reading the whole book, I'm skimming or looking through that. And you know, in that realm, it's not a large demographic of black authors. Right. There are they are out there. I've, I've found some and I've supported, uh, but there it's not a lot. And they're not pushed like that. So when I was coming up, it was Lord of the Rings. So J.W.R. Tolkien, uh, George R.R. Martin, um, J.K. Rowling, of course, um, George Lucas, uh, fan stories from Star Wars, like stuff like that. But there was never anybody in any of those stories where the main character was like me, looked like me, like talked like me, anything like me. So uh, coming up with Cyrus, I was like, okay, I want to think of like the... I want them first and foremost. I want them to be as dark as humanly possible. So I looked at like the the Jawara tribe of uh, East in East Asia, and I was like, okay, well, they're so black, they're almost like purple. That's, that that's how I want him to be. Uh, and I was like, well, he's not. He's supposed to be like the protagonist, but he can't be intimidating. So what's not intimidating? I was like, okay, super scrawny tall lanky and, and that's a that's something that you have to deal with that other authors don't yeah right because yeah. well, you don't you don't you don't want an accidental shaft yeah i want them to be so unique and so out of the box that everybody's like huh that's a very interesting character so that's where my inspiration for cyrus came from and then i, I did some uh research on the name meaning of the name cyrus so all the characters in the book their their names actually mean something connected to what's going to happen to them in the story which I think was like it's very postmodern. Yeah, yeah, that was that was like my crown jewel of this one. Like, oh yeah, all their names mean something about what's gonna happen to them. So that was good for me. And what? I'm sorry, can I ask you I, how much how much difficulty did like? Because that seems like something that you commit to in the beginning, and then halfway through you're like, oh, why did I do this to myself? Yeah, why did I do this to myself? Pretty much. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, uh, the book is about reincarnation. So like by the third life, I'm like. I'm <laughs> like, what am I gonna name this character? And I had one name in the beginning, and then I went back and changed it, and I changed it again. And I was like, no, I'm gonna go back to that one I just had. And I was like, no, the one at the beginning. So I was like, but it, it just it took some time. Yeah, you know? I can the imagine. Names yeah. Alone yeah. took some time. 
But it seems like that's part of the fun for you, though, is is that playing with themes and, you know, bringing something in and sort mm-hmm. of kind of turning it on its head to then give your reader something unexpected. Yeah. You know, and I read sure. one thing that you said it's four lives or four souls in one life or four lives mm-hmm. in one soul. And I was like, you know, I think that's sort of relevant to like our experience, like, you know, the the life we had when we were young feels like a lifetime ago and Mm -hmm. and those sorts of things so i feel like what i can kind of sense is that you're you like playing with this notion of here's a theme i'm gonna do something with it and i'm gonna turn it and give my reader something that was unexpected totally different yeah that's what i did with my first one you know i remember i a guy he's a hood he's a former convict and then he goes to another dimension so a similar thing like I want people to just never really know what's going to happen or be able to expect it. Like I, I watch movies religiously, and there's a formula in Hollywood for what a successful movie is. But every now and then, somebody doesn't do that, and it's like, this is the most amazing film, right? Or this is the most hated film until like 20 years later. They're like, <laughs> we were so wrong about that. Like, <laughs> exactly. what a world is like. I love that example. Like, it flopped in the theaters. And then, like, now 20, 30 years later, we're like, this is a cult classic and we should really relish this film because it did something so different from other movies. Well, a, a pop movie like that was um, The Usual Suspects. And what they said was, like, they set out to write a movie to use everything you know about movies against you from the start. So, mm. you say, have you, I've, you've, you've not seen it? I've not seen it. So, now, now I'm like, oh, I gotta go oh, it's, The Usual yeah, Suspects. It's, yeah, no, yes. it's, 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 it's very good. It's one of Brian Singer's first movies. Mm. Uh, but, um, the idea is that the whole time you're watching it like the movie that they're setting you up to right. be watching, but that's not the movie that they're playing. And of course, the movie's got to be 20 years old by now. So now you've seen now you've seen that movie 10 times since it came out. It's it's I'm not saying it's as good as Citizen Kane, but it's it's yeah. Citizen Kane like wow. that where you watch it and you're like, oh, I I, I know what's going to happen. But the first time people saw it, it was it was a new kind of thing. Right. And that's that's just an interesting way to approach anything. Like I'm going to do what the story wants and if it doesn't fit that's okay because it's what the story wants to do for sure because if the you that formula bothers me yeah it's 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 in books yeah it's in books it's in movies and i'm just like can we change it up a little bit can we let the antagonist win like one time right because like he really should win he's more powerful and they frequently do in real life so (laughs) yes they do (laughs) (laughs) And well, there there is though this thing about uh, this thing about escape where there are some books where at the end you're like, oh, yes, that was that was a wonderful moving work, but now I'm exhausted and I feel bad, you know. <laughs> and it's it's something that will stay with you about a book in a way that it won't stay with you about a book that ends well, right, right, right. When when even when, like, uh, I remember hearing about this World War One book uh, about about pilots, and the point of the book was that you never knew who was gonna who was gonna die next. And sometimes you're like, he he couldn't have died; he was the lead character. But that's what <laughs> that's what happens yeah. in real life. Sometimes the lead character dies Somebody a third of the way through, and someone else has to pick it up. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a dope. I don't know. I just find that dope, like, cause it's it's so unorthodox and so undone. But I don't like to be normal. I I always say like I don't really I don't feel like I fit in anywhere. But that's just cause I'm just me at all times, and that me is not 
in this box or that box is just Jamad. <laughs> and you're not doing it for the sake of being different. You're just you just realize that where you're going is someplace that isn't yeah, that isn't, people probably wouldn't expect me to go, and that's fine with me. That's yeah, just, I think yeah. I've done a lot of things that people wouldn't expect me to do. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. But I think one of the things that to be a writer that formula is out there and you follow the formula it's marketable and that's fine but i think that what you're doing and i think what i admire in other writers who just take that formula and they say i'm gonna be braver than the formula because we all know the formula works you know if the formula works but to say i'm gonna set out and i'm gonna try to do something different i'm gonna discard the formula i'm gonna go in my own direction i'm gonna create things that are true to me and bring them to the page i think that is something that is very hard yeah you know for for writers for to sure. do and for to sure. do honestly yeah for sure and this this one was like a lot harder than my last book that one i wrote uh wrote it went through nine months um beginning to end real easy like i had the dream i was inspired i'm like i'm gonna sit down i'm gonna write this book sitting on my computer every day, know exactly what I want to write, no problems, no questions asked. Like I said, I, I'm not a good editor. I've come to find out. Not when it comes to my own work. Right. Like, I, there's just things that you overlook, and especially staring at a computer screen for that long a period of time, you just miss things. So, like, it was a learning experience for me. And then this one, to be not only, like, longer, it's taken me uh, almost two years to write it. It's, it's also, I'm getting it professionally edited. I'm trying to market it differently. Like, it's just, I learned a lot from writing the first one. And this one has just been harder to write because of stepping outside that box and making it like turning the world on its ear in my own way and stuff like it's just been different. Yeah. I wouldn't take anything back. but No, so I'm sort of in that same position, too, um, you know, in that whole concept in that notion of first book versus second book. You know, I wrote my first book in nine months and put it together and published it. And I think now once you've got that first book done and out, then we kind of look at our second ones. Okay. I'm not going to make that mistake or that mistake or that mistake. And it sounds like from what you're saying, from um, your first book to your second book, you sort of saw a learning curve for yourself. Yeah. More research. Definitely more research of what readers are expecting, Mm -hmm. um, particularly the genre that I'm in, what they're looking for. Uh, I know my first book was about 32,000 words. Then anybody that like reads sci-fi is one of those people that are really like sitting there trying to read a long novel. So they're looking for more around fifty to sixty thousand words, right? If not more. There's sci-fi is like the one and fantasy are like the only genre that goes to like a hundred thousand plus words, and people are perfectly okay with that. And that's kind of new because because Kurt Vonnegut, who's who's my favorite writer of all time, he, he I don't think he ever touched a hundred thousand yeah. words. Like he 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 would his books were. were short but but dense so there's nothing there's nothing wrong with something that's short and dense but i guess if if people if if what people want is to get more involved with the characters like so kurt vonnegut's more writing about like little stories about about ideas but if if you want to get involved with the characters and of course with a with a with trying to get sci-fi published too they've always got a number what what can we do what what can we do to make this a series? What can we do to to sell this as something that somebody else can do something with if they want to? So that that, that makes sense. Yeah. So that the even like like I said with the names, like a lot more research, the history of because it's really four stories condensed into one. They all intertwine. So 
there's four different lives that have to be experienced and that allows me to make it longer but at the same time it's like how do I connect them and so I do research on what this means and what that means and how in this particular life how the time the era what did they do how do I connect that to the modern day era and how do I still give that I like to teach yeah. like people in my writing so like how do I still give the reader a lesson in this so a lot more research, which is why it's taking me so much longer. But like, I'm happy that it took me this long because I think it's a way better product. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that you get from book one to book two. You know, you, you kind of work out some of the, the kinks. You know, I think sometimes like I went into my first book like, I know everything, you know, <laughs> and, and then I read it now. I'm just like, wow, I knew nothing, uh-huh. you know. And yeah. so I think that's one of the signs, I think, that a writer is really pushing and striving and growing. Yeah. And it sounds like that's kind of what book two is almost like you're trying to teach maybe the readers a lesson, but it sounds almost like the book is also kind of teaching you some lessons. Oh, for sure. As you, as you <laughs> for sure. For me, the difference between book one and book two was book two was realer. I mean, I had a contract for book one. I mean, and but I didn't. I didn't already have a book. I didn't. The my first book wasn't physical when i was writing my first book it was all in uh, it was all in my head but when i'm writing the second book i'm like oh i know what this is going to look like i know i know what it's going to take to do and that's something i think that makes you take a little bit more time when you can i i mean my second book it didn't take me any time at all to write but that's that's a different that was like story. A dream yeah, that was that was that was that, that the old overholt wrote that book but um the the point of it is is when you're when you're uh, when you're going to to it, you're thinking about okay, this is going to be a real thing. This isn't an idea that I hope will be a book. This is this is yeah. a book that I'm working on, and I, since I've put one out, I know that I can put another one out. And I think I don't know if it's the case for you, but I know that as I'm working on my next one, there's a weight of that. There's a weight of you want this. You want someone to look at it and say, oh, he did get better between book one and book two right. or between book two right. and book three. Yeah, for sure. Because uh, <laughs> now I'm like, and I, I messaged Stephanie about this. Like, I'm like, I want to go to a professional publicist now. Like, I want to do this now. I want to do signings and tours. Like, I want to do more. But in order for me to do more, I have to improve my own writing and I have to improve who I am as a person. I have to improve my marketing techniques. I have to improve all around so like the second one definitely for me was like if you want to get noticed Jamal, you're gonna have to do something different right <laughs> can you talk a little bit about um because you just mentioned some marketing do you have any kind of plans or thoughts of what you might be doing or where you might want to go or uh, what what you'd like to see happen for for this for this book well like now is a lot of the digital age so before i didn't have my social media standings up i wasn't uh trying to get my social media sense. I really honestly didn't care. I'm not a big social media person. You know, I post on Facebook every day, but that's just random thoughts. But now, like, I'm strategic. I know I need to put up this many posts. I know they need to have these hashtags on it. I know at this time of day, if I post, I'm going to get more response. I know, like, these type of people are looking for this. So if you put this hashtag with this picture, it's going to get you this many likes right. and interactions. So it's like, now it's all math and numbers in my head, but I've been reading on how to do that. Like I have a friend that's a PR professional. Um, she just moved to Atlanta and like she wrote an ebook and she just was selling it for ten dollars. I was like, well, I get to support a friend and I get to learn. I see a win-win here. Right. I bought her ebook, read it, and I was like, thank you. <laughs> like, <laughs> I immediately was like, thank you. This is exactly what I needed. But it's 
it's just like strategies like that we're planning out book signings or planning out uh public appearances so i've been doing a lot more of that too it's like planning for the book is out now how do i get it into more people's hands yeah that's yeah and i just launched my website monday so that that helps and that is a cool looking website what is your website please modest.com so modest is actually my artist name um when i was 16 i was rapping i'm not a rapper though so (laughs) a rapper who wasn't a rapper So my friends gave me the name J Modest, and it's a play on my name. And plus, I'm kind of arrogant, and I admit that I'm arrogant. All right. So like, I'm not a very modest person most of the time, which is uh, something I'm working on too, <laughs> in my personal growth. But I was like, ah, that sounds weird. I'm just gonna drop the J, and I just stuck with the moniker Modest. So like, this book is gonna be published under that name of Modest, and from now on, I'm just gonna be using that for anything I do that's arts related. It's gonna be under my name Modest. It's a very cool website. Thank you. It almost has the um. It reminds me of uh, the character from. Um, uh, I did not see the website. <laughs> no, I'm trying to think, and you can you can Tell edit this part down so I can about. remember. <laughs> you can edit this out until I remember. But I guess we figured out whose podcast is going to go first. <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne's character in The Matrix. Okay. The um, glasses. I know you're talking about the glasses. Yeah, so he um, had uh, Morpheus. 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 Yeah, okay, Morpheus. So on the website, it's uh I have on my third eye, and I, I gave the picture to a friend of mine. His nephew is in a school for graphic design and art and artistry. He goes to uh, SCAD down in Atlanta, and he drew it for me. He drew it out on the computer. He's like really dope. I sent him a picture of me and said, "I want this animated." He was like, "Okay." It just, yeah, but it had it, work, the the I, image like when I first went to the website, that image just struck me, and it had that kind of morpheus vibe but it had like the kind of a sci-fi but i could immediately tell that it was you and i was like if anything says jamad this is it this (laughs) this image is is it it's very cool it's a very cool but the whole feel of the website though is something that feels like your game has elevated that's the goal keep keep growing and keep like elevating like this now i'm able to take booking right on my website so people don't have to keep Messaging me on Facebook Messenger or going through some third person to say, "Hey, contact this person. They want to talk to you." I'm like, "I have a website right here. Right. Go on there, shoot me an me- email. I will get it. I promise you." Um, I post any events or appearances I'm going to be at. They can be right on there. All of all of my merchandise. I just uh created some shirts that, again, the same artist helped me design, and he uh put them on the website. Some other shirts that I designed. Um, and just a lot of and just. Any books that I write are going to be on there. So it's all about me and what I'm doing, who I am. And it's just another step in marketing is growing and realizing that people want you to have that website. That's another, like, test of professionalism. And I think I just passed it. And I think some of the – and I would certainly think that some of the work that you're doing, you know, with social activism and marches and kind of being, you know, uh, standing up as a figure in your community – I would imagine that that would sort of kind of blend hand in hand For with sure. here's work that I'm doing. Yes, it's sci-fi, but I'm also incorporating themes that are very relevant today. And I would think those things would sort of be, you know, they, they would sort of mesh well together for yeah, you. Absolutely. Um, they go hand in hand together, <laughs> honestly. Like, <laughs> sure. like I, my, my name on Instagram is the underscore anime underscore activist like i'm a nerd but like i'm going to fight for social change and like that that's just me and like even in my writing i try i like you said i try to incorporate everything in there like another struggle i had with this book was i made uh 
a slave master a protagonist. And I was like, damn, how am I going to do that? I don't like slave masters. <laughs> I think they're terrible people. Like, yeah, that's an easy antagonist, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, and I'm just like, oh, God, it's going to be hard. So, like, I really had to sit for that part. That part took me the longest. I'm like, how do I make people empathize with him and like him? Wow. Because he's a horrible human being. Right. The the day. But I, I found a way. I, I believe I found a way to really do that. And it goes against everything that I stand for because I'm not one the slave master to be looked at as good, but, right. but at the same time, like well, you I stand all, up in the community and do these things. And this thing is like connects to it. You know? Well, right. the thing that Stephanie, and I talk about all the time and we talk about a lot on this show is that you, you have to serve the narrative. Yeah. And if that's what, if that's what the book wants, then you can't say that you don't like it. Cause what I believe firmly in my guts is that you have a better than average idea of how the book is going to turn out when you start you might not know that you know it yeah. but in your early writing you um they, they call them for instance they call them an, uh, axioms right mm. there are things that don't have reasons they're like one plus one equals two there's no proof for that that is an axiom we've decided that one plus one equals two and axiom so you had an axiom in the beginning of that book you had a rule that you set out that meant that this guy had to be a protagonist. And so your question wasn't wasn't should he be a protagonist? Your question was how do I make him one? How do I make him one? Cuz cuz it was built into the fiber of your book. Right. And there was there's nothing you can do about it but live with your choice that you made unconsciously or right. subconsciously. Right. And like it kind of harkens back to what you were saying. You want to surprise your reader. Yeah. You want to turn things, you know, kind of take a theme, pull it in and turn it and give it back. And it sounds like that moment was probably a big turn for you. Yeah, it, yeah, super big. And it, was, <laughs> it was hard, but like, yeah, it made like it just makes sense. Like you said, like it makes sense with the story. Like he lived this life. This is who you're supposed to empathize with. Who you're supposed to identify with. And it's like, but he's a slave master. Oh gosh. <laughs> but I, but I feel like the readers know if you betray them. Yeah. If you if you if you bring in that. To, yeah. Yeah. That uh. Machine of the gods. I I don't speak French, but you know if you if, if you bring in the machine of the gods, they're gonna call you on it. So yeah. if 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 you leave it alone, that's uh, Deus ex machina. I was like, yeah. <laughs> You're looking at me like I have six heads. No, I was, I was. I knew I was just gonna say it wrong. No, I knew it. I was thinking. Like, I think it's Latin. Ex, too. Deus ex machina. I don't I know. Some, I'm some, not sure how to say see? it. I can spell it. There we go. As long as I'll be editing this at length anyway. One of the things that exhausts me, mm -hmm. the, the thing that keeps me from writing a third book more than uh, not being able to pursue the idea in a way that I like is the notion of having to market it. It's just... I admire that you're enthusiastic about that because I know that it's just exhausting. I don't, I've always said that I don't want to ever do another book sign. Like I, I will if I must, mm -hmm. but I'm never going to ask to do another one again yeah. because it's just, for me, it's just exhausting. You get people to come out and you, and, and you just sit there. Like I had a really bad experience at Barnes and Noble where I, like literally I was in the, I was in the record section by myself on a Sunday morning. And I'm like, 
what am I doing here? Like this is just this is just the worst. I used to like being an author. Now I'm embarrassed. Now now I'm a schmuck, and I don't I never want to be a schmuck again. So uh, are you are you are you reaching out to try to book yourself for these things? Or are you waiting for people to reach out to you? I'm hoping both happen. Yeah, honestly, but it, the goal of what you said, I think an artist's mind and a business person's minds don't often intertwine with one another. And that's where as writers, we have those issues like, this is so daunting. I just want to create more content. But if I want to live off my content, I have to learn some aspect of business and business is the same way. If they want to market things properly, they have to learn the artistry side. So they're totally separate in people's heads, but at some point you have to learn to figure out how to make them intertwine in order to make a profit or a living. I just got like some really good yet simple advice from um, who was it? it was it was an Instagram page. They were asking what uh, what authors have problems, and I was like, I have trouble with marketing. Like I don't really like it. I've I've studied some techniques, and they they kind of been successful, but I want to take it to the next level. And he was the first. Their response was, to be a bestseller, you have to be a best seller like you have to be the best at selling your product and if you want it to be a best-selling work of any type and i was like that's so simple but it's so genius at the same time right, yeah <laughs> i was like I, i've done sales for a living like to earn a living so how can i not be able to market and sell my sell my own work like who knows it better than me who can market that better than me so I'm hoping people reach out to me to answer your question, but like, if they don't, like, I'm not going to sweat it. I'm going to figure out how can I get my message out to even more people than I did the previous time. The third book would be the same situation. Well, if I got 300, 500 last time, how do I get to eight, 900 this time and so on and so forth and just keep growing that way? Speaking of which, have you started to think about what you're going to do next? Is that you toying with that? Uh, let me pull out the phone, the handy dandy phone here. <laughs> so I have, uh, I have, let me see how many books I have outlined here. Because uh, I, I just get ideas randomly and I'll just put them down. Like, this is what the book's going to be about. I put, I put genius in the subject line so <laughs> yeah, I can Tony find it more easily. With... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have a 30 or 40 emails that say genius. And some <laughs> of them are intelligible and others aren't. Um, I have nine books outlined. All right. Okay. So I, I have a lot of work to do. <laughs> have you Have you picked one out yet? Yeah. Yeah. All the right. next one is going to be a series. Um, it's this three book series. Uh, I think it's going to be amazing. I'll be. It's about the same length. All full length novels. All like teaching another message and having to do with social activism and social justice and equality, but maxed so that you never think that that's what i'm talking about Mm -hmm. um, that's my next one and it's also based off an old african fable i can't give the fable because it's gonna give too many hits right yeah but (laughs) it's based off an old african fable so i'm 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 interested in turning that into a sci-fi work and how that's gonna it's gonna be a challenge for me but it's gonna be fun so that's my next one awesome fantastic all right, Stephanie. Well, now this is a part of the show where you thank the guests. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast, Jermon. Thank you for having me again. You know, next time I'll be sure to come and keep <laughs> coming and keep coming. Keep on coming. Yeah. Well, you've got a standing invitation. You can yeah. come back. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So What's Your Story was produced by Saltwater Media, an indie book publisher in Berlin, Maryland. Visit us at SoWhatsYourStoryPodcast.com, where you can find past episodes, guest bios, show notes, and all sorts of fun stuff. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Radio Public, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, take a second and give us a great review.
tell your story.